Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we back. We are back in the winner's circle, and you know what time that means it is. As we transition from one theme song to the next theme song, here is the Dolphins win big. 31-16 over the New York Giants. Dolphins get to 4-1 and for the first time in 20 seasons, 2003 the last time that happened, also atop the AFC East, following a Buffalo Bills loss in London to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll tell you how Miami got to that 31-16 final, as well as audio from head coach Mike McDaniel. Quarterback Tua will break it all down and look at the five big picture takeaways from the Bathus Health Studios inside the Bathus Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Somebody made a suggestion to me that I should change that opening to that's another Miami Dolphins touchdown with the frequency of which the Dolphins have scored touchdowns this season. And they do it again on Sunday with four more trips to the end zone and a field goal. And it could have been even more, which we'll talk about in this podcast. But the Dolphins through the first five games of the season are just a yard shy of 2,600 yards. And that is the most all time through five weeks, eclipsing the 1999. You guys might recall that team, the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Oz Hakeem. Man, what a fun group that was to watch. Well, this Miami Dolphins team, statistically, is more fun based on the numbers of the first five games. Almost 2,600 yards through five games, and Miami got a bunch of those in this one today. They put up 524 yards of offense, 302 through the air, 222 on the ground, and they did that on just 54 plays, which I'll get the calculator out here, 524 divided by 54. That's 9.7 yards a clip. This Dolphins offense has just been unstoppable really through much of the year. A couple of their own self-inflicted wounds have caused some low red zone mishaps. You have one game against the Buffalo Bills that don't go the way you want it to, but by and large, this Dolphins team has just been cooking all year long. Hopefully it continues, but through the first five games, it has been just that. 22 first downs to Miami's 15. Miami just three for eight on third down, but this is an offense that hasn't really faced a lot of third downs this season because they've been so prolific on first and second down. They hold the Giants, the Dolphins defense does, which, by the way, Miami defense, no touchdowns allowed in this game, just a couple of field goals as far as the defense is concerned and really got after the quarterback. They have the second most QB hits as of the end of the one o'clock games in the National Football League with 40, and a bunch of those came today. But the Giants just five for 17 on third down, one for two on fourth down. Miami nearly doubled up the Giants' total yards, 268 for the Big Blue to Miami's 524. They had 183 passing. They had 85 on the ground compared to Miami's 222. And they ran 12 more plays. Check that, 14 more plays at 68 than the Miami Dolphins did. And how often do you have a game where you have three giveaways and no takeaways and you win pretty comfortably? I'm not sure, but that's what happened today. The Dolphins do sack Daniel Jones seven times and eventually actually sent him to the locker room. He was replaced by Tyrod Taylor in this game. Miami took just one sack on their side of the ball, so give it six sacks this year allowed for this Dolphins offense through five games. Both teams had the exact same penalty number, six for 43, and the Giants had the ball for a second less than 36 minutes, which means Miami had it for 24 minutes 
and a single second. So really productive day individually. Tua, 22 for 30, 308 yards, two touchdowns, the two picks. We'll break those down more on tomorrow's podcast. We'll talk about it today as well, though. But a 104, a 100.4 passer rating on the day. Devon HN, 11 carries for a buck 51, another touchdown. Raheem Mostert, 10 for 65, another touchdown. Tyreek Hill, 8 for 181, and a touchdown. And Waddle gets on the board with his first touchdown. And how about Cedric Wilson, 4 for 52 uh, in his biggest day as a Miami Dolphin offensively so far. So, yeah, the numbers keep on coming, man. Let's go ahead and actually go back to Tua Tungavailoa, who was asked after the game about the ability to post those types of numbers we just talked about offensively with the number of errors they made, which, again, three giveaways, a couple of penalties there, and just not the most efficient offense we've seen from this team this year, which I think should tell you how spoiled you are as a Dolphins fan, that your not most efficient day still produces 31 points and 524 yards. Pretty impressive. But Tua says it's thanks to the entire team and a complimentary effort that allows the offense to post that many yards when maybe they weren't their sharpest. Yeah, I think that that says a lot about um, the guys that we have on on both sides of the ball. In order for us to do that offensively, we got to get the ball back. And in order for us to to be able to you know do that, we got to we really got to all play together. And uh, in order for me to pass the ball, the guys got to block. In order for the guys, the runners, to run the ball. You know, our guys got to block, and so I think they've done a tremendous job up front um, today. And, you know, turn, turnovers happen um, regardless of what the game is, and I don't think any, any of the guys blinked. Um, you know, the, there was no swing of emotion I, I felt uh, throughout the locker room and throughout the guys when we come to the sideline. It was just, hey, you know, we got your back, we got your back, and we're going to go and continue to play. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look at this game holistically, comprehensively from the beginning. And we'll have some numbers on tomorrow's podcast for you guys, the All-22 review, because I want to take a look at Dolphins' defense at home versus the road and the splits. We talked about it a little bit on the Wednesday podcast, I think it was, but those numbers continue now as the Dolphins have 14 wins in their last 16 starts here at Hard Rock Stadium. Pretty great to have that type of home field advantage. But this game began a little bit differently than they have in the past, at least this season, as we saw the Chargers score on their opening drive. The Patriots did not. The Broncos did not either. They get a field goal in that drive. I think the Broncos got a field goal. The Bills score on their opening drive. But the Dolphins' defense comes out first and puts it right to the Giants, who got a first down, but then quickly were kind of knocked off that pace. And I thought there was a good variety and a good mixture of kind of getting some guys back into the fold. I thought Deshaun Elliott's return paid dividends, and we saw that come into play immediately with a scrape off the edge for a run stuff in that opening drive. We saw Cater Kohu kick back inside with Eli Apple back on the outside, getting some significant playing time there. Obviously, Andrew Van Giegel gives you lots of snaps in this game without Jalen Phillips, and we'll see when he comes back. What a shot in the arm for the defense he will be. I mean, you could argue your two two of your best players on defense will be coming back to this team here, uh, whether it's you know sooner than later with Jalen Phillips and Jalen Ramsey, but that's a point for a different day. But I thought you also saw lots of variety in terms of new fronts. We saw a, a pretty heavy bear front where you have a defender over the center and two defenders over either guard. So a zero and two, two techniques to kind of put a stop to some of the running game that we've seen have success on this defense uh, in some previous weeks. And the results are what they are. I mean, the Giants ran the ball in this game just 29 times, but ran for only 85 yards. So a very good average for this Dolphins run defense. And, you know, too high, single high, playing some some different dime packages and third medium with Justin Bethel coming onto the field. I just thought you got lots of variety early on, and that was the case throughout the day. And they played a good game plan, a patient game plan to help them 
put themselves in situations to go make plays, which they did in this game. Dolphins get the ball back on offense and go right down the field, which we're used to seeing that. Eight plays, 89 yards, and it was all screens and plays off the edge and quick hitters, and it was an impressive game plan. We'll talk about that here in just a moment more, but consistently good blocking off the edge, consistent good blocking from the tackles and obviously the guard. I mean, everyone was involved in all that action, but I love the trickeration. You go uh, waddle in the backfield, a 24-yard end around for Devon Achan. Um, uh, let's see, Austin Jackson gets 20 yards on the field for a big block on a 20-yard screen pass to Waddle. Tua has that quick hitter as Hedrick Wilson for 23 yards. Just all kinds of space, and I thought McDaniel was in his bag early to get that early seven points on the board. The Giants take the ball back and miss a field goal after a couple third-down conversions, uh, but then the final third down on third and seven, Ogbon and Wilkins get in immediately for a combined sack there on Daniel Jones. Some tackling issues on that play. There was a couple of plays that got out the gate because they had him wrapped up, and he wound up getting bonus yards after slipping some tackles, but it didn't cost them because the Giants missed the field goal. The Dolphins then lose a fumble, where I thought that was a really good man-beater call to get Tyreek Hill on a little drag route over the middle, and Tua had good process to find him to get that first down and move the chains, and then A-Chain starts breaking tackles again, and all of a sudden the ball pops out for our second fumble of the day. Raheem had a fumble on the first possession, and that's the fifth fumble in the last two games, which if you want to point some things to clean up, ball security part of that, Dolphins would have three giveaways on the day, and that drive ends early because of that. But then you get a immediate defensive stop there from Miami to hold the Giants to a three and out. Um, nearly had a special teams error there, which again goes into the bag of corrections you can make. An 11th man ran off the field. They flagged the Dolphins for it, but it was actually our... They flagged him for a 12 man on the field who couldn't get off, but it was actually the 11th guy that couldn't get off. So we were out there with 10 guys, but uh, McDaniel challenges it and wins it and gets the football back. And as a result of that, the Dolphins, after Cater Kohu, by the way, blew up a screen on, on first down to create a second and 14, which then turned into third and three. And then Christian Wilkins, who just gave the center of the Giants fits all day long. He and Zach Sealer. My goodness, they were giving those guys fits in the interior. They forced Daniel Jones off the spot, and then Jerome Baker cleans him up for a big hit to get off the field there on third down. You have the special teams almost error, but didn't wind up being that. And then the Dolphins hit a 76-yard home run with Devon A-Chain. And this was, uh, let's go ahead and do it right now. The play before the play was Tua Tungavailoa on second and 10 backed up. And he, the top of his drop on this play is in his own end zone. He gets pressure off his left, and the rusher actually gets a piece of Tua's shoulder and kind of yanks at him, but Tua, you know, good, strong base, stands in there and doesn't go down on the hit, climbs in the pocket, attacks the line of scrimmage, and throws the football into Tyreek Hill for a first down, which, you know, if he doesn't complete that, it's third and 10 backed up, or if he gets sacked, it's potentially a safety, maybe third and, you know, 17 from your own one-yard line. That's not a good position to be in. And the reason it's play before the play is the very next play is a hat on a hat block across the board for Devon Achan to go 76 yards. And boy, what an angle eraser he was. You watch that game on the broadcast or that play on the broadcast, I should say. He, th those guys had the angle on him but not for long because he ran right by him. And you see that urgency almost pick up in the defender like, okay, I got this play. Oh no, there he goes. And sure enough, there he goes. He is just impossible to catch from the back. Uh, he and Tyreek Hill continue to rewrite the top speeds in the National Football League this year in terms of how fast they run at their fastest. So the Dolphins get out to a 14-0 start. The Giants answer back and get a field goal after I thought Van Ginkle had one of his most impressive reps of another very impressive game where he stacked and shed, had his eyes on the quarterback, 
pursued downhill on Daniel Jones and swatted the ball back in his face. Deshaun Hand gets a pressure. Then we get three plays from Eli Apple in a row. Two good, one not so much. Uh, the first was a really good pass breakup on Darren Waller, but then he gives inside access on a slant for a first down, and then he comes down and makes a play on the following uh, play for a run stop there to create a third and nine situation. They, didn't, they then go after Xavier Howard on Darren Waller on a slot fade, and he makes a great breakup after a first down for the Giants. And then Zach Sealer has back-to-back reps where he splits double teams, one for a TFL, one for a sack, just consistently collapsing the interior of this Giants line. They came in banged up. Miami took advantage and harassed them all day long up front. And Zach Sealer actually got my game ball on the post-game show I do with Seth and OJ because I was just so impressed with how he consistently was in there against running plays, pressure in the backfield and passing plays. Just a great player Zach Sealer has become here for your Miami Dolphins. They kick the field goal. Miami takes it back. And all of a sudden, like, this half is moving along super fast. And the Dolphins take it right down the field. They have a first and goal from the four. Or I think the, this, I think it was the four-yard line. They get a short run and then the incomplete pass. And it should have been DPI on Waddle in the corner of the end zone with a defender not even looking at the football. But they don't call it. And the next throw, Tua tries to jam one in to, to Waddle. It gets tipped into the air and picked off and ran back for a 102-yard touchdown return. Just not great football there from Tua. He talked about it after the game, said that was his fault, his mistake. He can't make that poor decision. And this comes after a 64-yard screen pass to Tyreek Hill, where that was where they both hit those high speeds. And it was just impressive to watch those guys get out in space and really run, really open it up. And the reason I wanted to bring that up Actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and put that back to the takeaways because I have a a point on that I want to make about the adjustment of the exit or sprint motion, whatever you want to call that. But two is big pig six. Just it's got to be better than that. And he knows that. And he'll he'll bounce back and and make better plays than that. Uh, The Giants score the touchdown. Miami gets it right back. And two goes five for five. Boom, boom, boom. A bunch of good plays there to to put the Dolphins in position to kick a field goal to take a 17-10 lead at halftime. And I want to go ahead and play some audio here for you because Tua addressed his ability to kind of bounce back and play good football when he makes a mistake. Let's go ahead and run the audio on that because he talked about his sharp play after a turnover. Again, 5-for-5 five five on that field goal drive to put Miami back in position. And he also had a pretty good bounce back in the second half as well. Let's go ahead and play that audio here from Tua on bouncing back after a mistake. When when I came into the league, it was, it was a lot different um, when I would throw an interception, the mindset I'd have. Um, I'd throw an interception and I'd, I'd feel the need to press and think that I need to make a play for our guys. Um, and really, that's, that's, not, that's not how I, I sort of take it into games. And that's really how I do it in practice as well. If you know, I throw an interception in practice, like those are game reps that I can use. So if it does end up happening in a game, um, I know how to move, from, move forward from that. So it's, you know, it, it happens, and then it's move, move on. And then what does this play entail for you to do um, to get your job done for all these guys. Really good stuff there. We have more on that on the other side, including a breakdown of the 69-yard touchdown pass that Tua threw to Tyreek Hill to kick off the third quarter. We have sound from Coach on that, Tua on that, and we'll also talk about Tua's journey to get to this place and what McDaniel thinks about his ability to overcome stuff like that. Plenty to come your way here on the Drive Time Podcast, including five big-picture takeaways. All that's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. First half in the books, right? Dolphins take a 17-10 lead into the halftime break, and it felt like it should have been a lot more. I think it was 325 to 126 in total yards, but a 14-point swing there late will do that. 
And I actually had the exact same thing happen for my Washington State Cougars on Saturday who lost their first game of the year to UCLA. They were down 9-3 to before the halftime break, and we got the pick six going back the other way, taking a 10-9 lead, and then just didn't play well the rest of the game. So I was like, ah, oh, that seems like maybe a little bit of a payback there for my football weekend. I don't know. No one of the Dolphins cares about the Washington State Cougars. So I digress. We move on to the second half here. And it was good to see Miami put themselves back in shape to score a field goal after the pick six that made it 14-10 to take that 17-10 lead. But they would not take very long to find a big splash play down the sideline as Tua dialed up Tyreek Hill for a long touchdown, 69 yards. I counted the ball as 31 yards in the air. And man, this thing hit him right on the face mask. What a dime that was from QB1 to put that ball in that location. I thought it was even better in addition to Tyreek Hill's release where we talked about with OJ in the postgame show, like 0-0-0. He whiffed on all phases of that jam the rookie cornerback did as Tyreek's release got him wide open up the sideline. And that's obviously great. But Tua's ability to play with the defense and manipulate what they do in terms of how they rotate and move Two high safeties, half-half. You know, both guys had a half part of the deep coverage. And Tua kind of locked on to the safety to Tyreek's side. And they ran a crossing route right at that safety, which he then pulls up. And that's design. That's quarterback manipulation. That's Tyreek Hill winning on the perimeter. Just a lot of these things. Good pass protection, obviously. A lot of these things that go into completing a 69-yard touchdown pass. The Dolphins had it all on that play, including a great throw and a great read and a great manipulation there from the quarterback and the keyhole accuracy, obviously, down the football field. But what you didn't know watching the game was that Tua actually made that play call himself. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua on how that happened. And he kind of tees you up for a McDaniel soundbite, which we'll play right afterwards as well. That was the wrong play call. Um, And you can ask Mike about that. I I don't think I should be saying that was the wrong play call. I called the wrong play. I called my own play. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys might want to ask Mike about that one, but it's the wrong play call. You called your own play on a touchdown play. (laughs) Yeah, I can. Was it, was, I don't know was, how, yeah, was, that, that sounds weird, just taking the credit for that one. <laughs> was, it, was it a check, or? No, it, he said a play, and I told him I misheard him <laughs> as I was looking at it. I was like, oh. thought it was cool to get that soundbite there because he went before Coach did at the postgame press conference, so they did ask Mike, and here's what Coach McDaniel had to say. Yeah, <laughs> apparently he stole my thunder. I wanted, I wanted to unveil that he's now a play caller as well. <laughs> no, but the, I, I, that's one of the moments that in the in the story of his, um, you know, his journey, that is indicative of where he's at. I, I, I just know the way that we were able to move the ball a little bit, and then those turnovers and the picks. Um, last year, it would have been hard to get him out of that. Like, just how mad he would be at himself and all the discipline work um, that he's done, um, you know, with mind, body, and soul to be in a moment like that. And, you know, uh, just take the game in his own hands. That's what you're trying to build. You know, these are the, it was, it was a really cool moment that, um, when you're watching the formation set up, I am not composed. Because I'm like, what, it, what, what, you know, you just don't know that you think everything, you have no idea, it's hard to visualize what play he actually called because you're just thinking that nine people are messed up. Um, and then, you know, it was that 
that's the type of stuff that um, you can't manufacture uh, to be able to have the wherewithal to um, say, you know what, uh, let, let's put it in mine and Tyreek's hands. Um, you know, the, I'm just very, very proud of him. You know, the me- sometimes the messy games are my favorite with regard to that stuff. You, you turn the ball over, that's hard. Um, but what's uh, the big, the best way to separate yourself is to be able to come back from that and uh, progress forward and and not let other plays linger. And there's very few guys that could pull that off. Gosh, you have to love to hear that as a Dolphins fan, right? You look back at all the teams that accomplish things that this team wants to accomplish. What do they all have in common? Really good quarterback play, really good head coach, and a relationship between those two guys that works together and rows in the same direction, has this relationship. Certainly feels like we have that here with Tua Tungabailoa and Mike McDaniel. So the defense comes back up again after a really good first half. And, you know, they could have sulked and been upset by the offense, you know, kind of ruining their point total for the day with the pick six. But they didn't do that. You get more big plays from Wilkins and Sealer. Andrew Van Ginkle had back-to-back very effective rushes that caused the offense to kind of sputter out and get themselves into danger. And in fact, man, this Dolphins defense posted some big-time numbers. We'll talk about that here in the takeaways. Just a really good game from those guys. They give it back to the Dolphins. Dolphins then turn it over again. Tua Tungabailoa throws an interception that just didn't seem very characteristic of him. He called it, you know, poor decision, poor throw, poor everything by the quarterback. And this came after a holding call negated a 40-yard Raheem Mostert run, and then A-Chain catches an end around for a, a big yardage after the fact. But then Tua throws a bad ball that gets picked off. And, you know, some bad decisions putting the ball in harm's way. Not usually characteristic of Tua in terms of it doesn't happen that often, but it happens sometimes. And that's why, you know, I always thought he was going to throw more picks this year than he did last year because I think the ability to know the offense better means more aggression and will be more explosive, which we have been, which sometimes comes with some negatives too. And that's okay. But five picks through five games, 11 touchdowns through five games is pretty dang good. Uh, all the numbers are going to look pretty good when he comes, when we just look at the box score and all the stats tomorrow. But just putting the ball in harm's way, obviously not great, leads to a Giants field goal, which Miami got off the field almost immediately. A big time stop from Cater Kohu on third and 12. Dolphins take the football back once again and go score to make it 31 13 on one of the most impressive drives you can possibly have, an assert-your-will type of drive, and just showcases Miami's multiple routes to victory with the current roster they have offensively, passing game, running game, or defensively, special teams. Like, across the board, they can find ways to win games in multiple ways, and they did it on this drive by just committing to the running game. So Devon Achan goes for eight. They do a pop pass, which counts as a throw from Tua, but it's really a, a glorified handoff for eight or for 14 yards to Achan. Then Mostert goes back-to-back 11, 23-yard runs. Then Achan Chan again, six, five, and then Mostert checks back into the game for six yards, and then an angry run two yards into the end zone for six. Love to see that. The Dolphins' ability to do that is going to make this offense just really difficult to stop. Let's go ahead and hear from Mike McDaniel on the running backs and that drive in particular where it was run, 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 baby, run some more. It was the time in the game that was definitely intentional. It was the time of the game that I felt like um, shame, shame on shame on me if I didn't put it in the ball carrier in the line's hands because I felt like um, they they had a they had a nice competitive advantage at that moment um, and uh, you know it, that's a that's that's huge for what we're trying to build when to try to be able to win games um, handing the ball off you know for the type of respect that you know a lot of our our 
that our past game really gets. Um, it, it's uh, monumental, and that's something that I can tell that the team really, um, you know, got them going. Um, and it, you know, you're hoping that you can continue that whole process. But I mean, shoot, like I'm, I'm just happy for the guys that got to execute that stuff. So that makes it 31-13. The Giants would add a field goal as the Dolphins and Giants kind of went back and forth in the fourth quarter. Miami had 500 yards in just the third quarter alone. So they've been playing these games that are kind of like college teams where the offense doesn't really have much to do in the fourth quarter, and you wind up losing a quarter of stats you could potentially post. But I don't think anyone's going to cry for the Miami Dolphins. 2,599 yards through the first five games is the most in league history. Dolphins kneeled the clock out after some back and forth there, and the defense just continued to put pressure on that Giants front. So that's the second half. That's the result result of the game. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side. We'll hear some more from Tua and McDaniel, and also give you my five big-picture takeaways. All that's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. The game is in hand. The Dolphins are 4-1. and one. I'm recording this late uh, 7 o'clock on a Sunday night, so we don't have the results of the rest of the AFC games, but right now the Chiefs are currently leading the Minnesota Vikings. The Dolphins and Chiefs are the only teams in the AFC with just one loss still on the schedule through the first five games. So good company there to be keeping uh, through the first five games of the season. Let's go ahead and do the five big picture takeaways here. And I want to make very clear off the top that I have one in here that would be construed as a negative. And I want to just make it abundantly clear that I think very highly of this team and what they can possibly accomplish and where they want to get. I think to get there, you demand perfection and then eventually will fall somewhere among excellence. So I always will look for things that could be better, just FYI. And that's going to be one of the takeaways we do here. But first, that ain't the first one. Number one is the game plan to attack the edges on offense with the addition of the wrinkles off the sprint exit motion. And with that, you now have an NFL record-setting offense through the first five games of the season. I talked about that first drive just consistently going after the Giants off the edge. We talked in the preview podcast how the Giants are awfully young at the cornerback position. Going up against these receivers is a tough matchup for anybody, much less guys playing their first five games of their pro careers. And the Dolphins just found a way to execute by running the ball off the edge, involving the backs, or I should say the receivers in the backfield with the backs out wide and using end around and, and pop passes and reverses and all this action screen game, just fun to watch. But the big wrinkle that I took away from this is you just added another thing on tape that teams coming down the pipeline here are going to have to adjust to and play to and honor and cover more space than 11 guys can cover because the sprint exit motion that took the league by storm and revolutionized the, you know, the entire league in terms of copycat and other OCs using this stuff to their benefit. Well, they just threw another wrinkle in there because off of that sprint motion, Tyreek would often, you know, take that rail or that glance over the middle or sometimes the seam route, like, or the hookup or the, like there's different variations that he can run off of that. But all of that basically puts the defense on their heels in a way that they would kind of, I guess, adjust to by playing off and just say, okay, well, you can have the underneath stuff. We're going to prevent this deep stuff. Well, now all of a sudden you just have Tyreek stop and come back to the quarterback and Tua is so dang quick on the trigger and accurate, which is such a critical component of these screen passes to get the ball out fast and to put it right on the number. So there is no wasted movement to allow those blocks to set up and to get the cheetah running at full speed from the jump. That's a critical part of that play. Innocuous, sure, seemingly easy, yeah, probably, but it's critical, and Tua does it as well as anybody. So now you've put this wrinkle into your offense where 
we got to come up and guard behind the line of scrimmage too and be aware of 30-yard dimes down the field. Like, have mercy. Where does it stop? And there's just so much this offense can do. I love the blocking across the entire board. We'll go ahead and say that for a future takeaway because I have it in multiple takeaways here because it was a big takeaway for me. But that's my first takeaway is the Dolphins' offensive game plans and structure and the wrinkles they're adding and the stuff they're putting on tape. It is a lot. Wink Martindale told us before the game that he was losing sleep this week trying to prepare for this Dolphins offense. Takeaway number two is the interior defensive line takes over a game. And really, you can stretch that out to the entire defense because they were dominant in this one. And the great Marcel Louis-Juck, who congratulations, Marcel, on your engagement over the weekend. He and Haley Sutton, another local reporter down here, will be uh, getting married soon. So congrats to those two. They're awesome people. And I love working around them and with them. Um, But he had a tweet about the Dolphins' pass rush production, which, you know, we get the numbers from PFF sometimes. And Marcel tweeted out the numbers that he had from a quarterback pressure standpoint. Let's go ahead and rattle those off because the Dolphins were just utterly dominant up front in this game all game long. Here are your pressure, sack, and QB hit numbers. Andrew Van Ginkle, eight pressures, one sack, and five QB hits. He had a second sack that was negated by penalty. Christian Wilkins, (laughs) seven pressures on the interior, a half sack, and two more QB hits. Bradley Chubb, seven pressures and uh, four quarterback hits. Manuel Ogba, four pressures, one and a half sack, and two QB hits. And then Zach Sealer, man, four pressures, two sacks, and three quarterback hits. That was my game ball in the postgame show, by the way. But I mentioned the interior dominance. I mean, the edge, too. Van Ginkle with eight, Chubb with seven, Ogba with four. That is, what, 19 pressures from three players. But just the two interior guys, Wilkins and Sealer, combining for 11 pressures, two and a half sacks, and five QB hits. You will not lose football games. You get that type of production up front. And they just, whether it was, you know, playing with power, splitting double teams, crossing face and using arm unders or swim moves or, you know, crossover steps. They just consistently gave the interior of that Giants offensive line fits all game long, constantly moving Daniel Jones off the spot, peaking, stacking, shedding, and making plays in the running backs in the backfield on on handoffs. So it just really, really forced this offense into, you know, having to adjust to find backs to come scan, protect, and get in there and to really get away from the running game in general. Dominant game from the Dolphins' defense, but in particular on the interior defensive line. Takeaway number three is I put Devon Achan's angle erasing running and how dangerous of an element that is to the offense that already has all these elements that can threaten you. But then I just said, hey, the run game in general, because we're at a point where five takeaways just isn't enough for me because I'm cobbling together some of these ideas and thoughts I have throughout the course of the game. But the 76-yard touchdown run, I mentioned it on the previous part of the show, where his speed like jumps off the tape and I think he's the fastest player in the league like Tyreek has the time right now but I think in terms of running away from guys HN might be the fastest like it's the proof is there right but you had hat on a hat blocking across the board that was so impressive just everybody that had a seal nailed it everybody that had a down block nailed it receivers out on the perimeter good team football to get points on the board you're running back in the end zone just love to see it man these guys have been so effective Raheem and Alec Ingold you know those guys are big parts of the offense, too. I want to go look at the numbers of how productive we are when Raheem and Achan are on the field together. That two-back personnel has been dominant. You add Alec Ingold, all of a sudden you have like 30 personnel, three backs, no tight ends. It's so cool, man. It's so fun to watch. Let's go ahead and hear from QB1 on RB28. Tua Tungavailoa talking on Devon Achan's growth and what he's meant to this offense. Uh, I think the coolest thing about someone like him being a rookie is – just who he is as a person, um, how you see him on the sideline, just 
chill, relaxed. Like, that's who he is, and that's how he is in the huddle. And uh, to be able to go in the huddle and see someone like that, it's very, it's very promising to know that, oh, okay, he's going to line up. He knows where he's going to line up. And then, basically, if he's getting the ball, you know it's going to be a big play more often than not. But I got a lot of respect for that guy, and I think a lot of guys around the league have a lot of respect for um, him as well. But the cool thing about it is, you know, that's like he, he doesn't take heed to, to listen into any of that. Just a humble guy, just coming into work, doing, doing what he needs to help the team win. So I'm very proud of him and very proud of uh, basically all the guys. And we'll go ahead and play some more sound here because Coach McDaniel touched on the return of Connor Williams in particular. He talked about the entire offensive line, but he was asked specifically about Connor Williams' return to the lineup. What a good player Connor Williams is, man. Here we go. Here's Coach on Connor Williams and the Dolphins' offensive line. Phenomenal job. He willed himself to play in this game. Um, if you go by, by standard um, measurement of injury and timeline, he uh, – he exceeded that, um, and I think it was very. It's very impactful. It was very impactful for for our, our whole group um, in general because he's really taken a step in his game. Um, w- one of the things that he he does very well that we're kind of spoiled with is his ability to anchor the pocket. That's huge for. Um, you know, I think our interior line has done a really good job with that. Um, uh, relative to any season I've had, and um, you know, I think that Connor's Connor's frustration at not being able to play with his teammates last week it was it was so evident. I think it um, it also charged up a lot of his teammates because he he was, I mean, viscerally like just angry that we lost a game and he didn't play and so he was gonna make sure uh that there was no way he was gonna stay off the field and i mean shoot that's that's the type of guy that teammates love takeaway number four i told you guys i had to put one thing in here the dolphins can improve upon because again to get where we want to go we got to get a little bit cleaner and the entire operation wasn't too sloppy for today because you gained 520 yards didn't allow a defensive touchdown but it was a little bit sloppy. So the stat disparity and the score disparity were not on par with each other, right? Like this should have been probably a 30-point game based upon just the stats alone. That's not how football works. But three takeaways versus no takeaways, it's kind of a sloppy game in that loan department that often dictates the final results of football games. But it speaks to how dominant Miami has been in the rest of the part of the football game which you know is most of it but those plays tend to bog you down and cost you games it did not today but the pick six I just thought you know didn't have to force that ball in there Um, a couple of third down conversions for the Giants early on in the game that were you know some easy access slants they got over the middle of the field the 11th slash 10th man or 12th man leaving the field on special teams these are small things they can clean up the second interception you know uh, Tua said it didn't happen but it looks like on the video his hand might have hit the, the helmet of Connor Williams so just some things you can clean up. Let's go ahead and actually hear from Tua here, who agrees with that, that there are things the Dolphins can get corrected, even in a big win like this uh, over the Giants. Um, I, I think a lot of things are going right for us if we just stuck with our plan and we, we stuck with um, our rules for each play. I think things were going really smooth. Um, there were just times where we were misaligned. Um, things were, you know, didn't didn't play within the structure of our offense, and, and things just just got out of hand. Um, you know, with some plays, but outside of that, 
that's that's I, w- I would say that's how the game went. And my takeaway number five here, I guess I kind of talked about the interior defensive line, but just how the defense senses blood in the water. I love this team's ability to play a complimentary football and that when the offense has success, I feel like it just breeds success for the defense to be able to pin their ears back, rush the quarterback, move them off the spot. I mean, 40 quarterback hits is a ton, second most in the National Football League at press time. We'll see if that holds up and get you an update that on that on tomorrow's podcast. Also want to give you guys an update on the home versus road splits that are just so impressive right now in terms of how this Dolphins defense at home has been absolutely electric. But no touchdowns allowed in this game. Put on a short field twice, one of those in field goal range. Pretty good stuff, man. The defense was definitely held up their end of the bargain today, and good to see them get a bounce-back game after last week's loss up in Buffalo. Speaking of Buffalo, they lost. They fall to 3-2, and two, so we have a sole possession right now of first place in the AFC East for the first five games before welcoming in the Carolina Panthers next week here to Hard Rock Stadium. Let's go ahead and just real quick give you some more numbers on this Dolphins defensive effort because the Giants came into this game. Here's Daniel Jones's day, 14 for 20 for 119 yards. That's six yards a pass, sacked six times. Tyrod Taylor comes in, nine for 12, 86 yards, and he didn't throw a touchdown or a pick. One sack on him. Their leading rusher had 25 yards on 12 carries. The next was Daniel Jones, 4 for 24. Matt Breida had 9 for 21. So uh, no running back for the Giants averaged better than 2.3 yards per carry in this one. Pretty effective day. Waller had 8 for 86, so that was their best day offensively. But this Dolphins defense, man, just numbers and production, limiting point totals. What a great day for them. What a great day for the team. What a great day for South Florida, man. 4-1 and one, heading to the Carolina Panthers at home next week. Uh, love where this team is. Love where they're going. Let's go ahead and call that a podcast. Check out the post game show if you guys have not. We'll post the podcast link for you guys up on social. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, follow all that fun stuff at Linkful NFL at Miami Dolphins. Check out my guy Seth and Juice. Paul Solei diving in the tank this week. You don't want to miss that. The YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Carolina Cameron, Daddy's coming home.